Welcome to the conversation. I'm Benjamin Dixon, host of the Benjamin Dixon Show. Excited to be joined this afternoon by Ravi Patel. He is a filmmaker, humanitarian, he is a documentarian, an entrepreneur, and an actor. You may have seen him in one of my favorite films with Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen, The Long Shot. He is in the upcoming Wonder Woman 1984. And he is also the feature and the star of HBO Max's highly anticipated series. Series, Ravi Patel's Pursuit of Happiness. He is joining us today. Ravi, how are you? Hey, Ben, what's up? Wow, what an intro, man. Feeling uh, good. Awesome, awesome. Thank <laughs> you so much for joining us. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about um, I want to talk about your 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 show, um, the uh, show on HBO Max. I had a chance to see the first two episodes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. When I'm done. Interviewing you, I've got to go see the next two episodes, and <laughs> and I'm saying that not to butter you up or anything like that, but I, I it really digs down into some really critical issues of life, but you deal with them in a way that that is not intrusive or uncomfortable. You deal with life, you deal with death, you deal with marriage, you deal with raising kids, and the real complex nature of all those things. Like, just tell me what inspired you to take that approach and deal with difficult topics while traveling the world. First of all, thanks for saying that. That's an incredible compliment, man. Look, you know, I got a chance at making my own show. This thing started at CNN. Um, it was originally supposed to take Bourdain's slot, and then the pandemic hit, and CNN's like, "Well, we can't do shows." And then, thank God, HBO Max wanted it. And so, when the conversation started, it was like, "Hey, we really want a show. The only thing we know for sure is it needs to travel. But other than that, do whatever is authentic to you." Well, I'm not like an expert in anything, but the one thing that <laughs> I have done before was, you know, I made this documentary with my sister called Meet the Patels, which is yeah. about my parents setting me up on all these blind dates, and it was, you know, it, it it did really well, and it was also a really incredible moment in my life in terms of what it taught me. Not just about, it wasn't just introspective and brought me closer to my family, but it also taught me what filmmaking can do for in my own life. And so when this opportunity came, I thought like, well, I'm at this point in life where you know I'm 41, which is kind of this interesting point of inference from <laughs> boy to man, and I'm a new father. You know, I have a, I have a three-year-old daughter. I'm fairly newly married, and I'm really concerned with. Trying to be a better father, husband, son, while also get the most out of my out of my profession and achieving a lot, while also feeling the panic of mortality and trying to make the most out of my day every day. So, really, I was like, okay, free vacation. I'm gonna take everyone in my life <laughs> <laughs> and do the thing that I already do, which is you know talk about the stuff I was really urgently discussing in therapy. <laughs> it is like therapy, right? <laughs> Watching the show is like therapy because um, like episode one, and we, we have some clips that we'll be playing later on. Mm -hmm. But in episode one, you deal with uh, the title is Growing Old in Mexico. And you take your parents down to Mexico and they really 
find like a new life that I don't think they expected. And I think you didn't expect like, and you phrase it in a way where um, you didn't want it. When you get to a certain age, you wanna be cared about and not necessarily cared for. I would never forget that line. Just talk about that shift and that cycle. Because you said one other thing that I would love for you to speak on is that you got to a point now in your relationship with your parents where now they're not just your parents, they're your friends. Yeah, Oh wow, thanks for that. Um, you know, I think becoming a father, are you a father, Ben? Yes, I am, I'm gonna bring that up to him. Okay, so, so becoming, I don't know if you had this experience, but becoming a father for me was really eye-opening as a son. It really, the extent to which I'm obsessed with my daughter, yeah. I had this moment where I'm like, oh, my, my parents are obsessed with me in that mm-hmm. way. And all I want with my daughter is for her to, uh, to love me, to think I'm the best, and to want to be around me. And I hope that we're together forever. And I realized, oh, my parents have probably felt this way about me yeah. uh, th- th- their entire lives. And we're in this weird time with modernity. And especially when you tie in the American, you know, our obsession with individuality and pri- privacy. We're in this point in time where there's zero dependency on each other. We don't need a ride to the airport. We don't need sugar from the neighbor. We have apps for all these things. We don't need each other. And I think our parents are getting screwed in the process because they don't get this thing that they thought they were signing up for, which was at this stage in their life that they were gonna be close to us and maybe even in our own home. So becoming a father for me has made me reflect on that in a very big way. And again, it started in therapy. I was talking to my therapist and I was saying, you know, a lot of my friends are starting to lose their parents and it's made me realize, I like, I've never even been to a funeral, which I realize is insane. And I was asking my therapist, I'm like, is there any way for me to figure out what would be the things that I'd be sitting here asking myself um, that I wish I'd asked now mm. that I would potentially be asking after they passed? That was how that started. And so we we went to Mexico, which is one of the hottest retirement destinations for expats. And uh, I mean, you saw what happened. It was like this incredibly fun adventure where my parents, you know, were. Another thing that was really revealing, by the way, was that there's more than one phase in retirement. There's this fun phase for the people who go to Mexico. That's this new phase that didn't exist before because now people are living longer. I feel like I just answered eight questions and I'm not sure I answered the one you asked. <laughs> no, 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 it's great. It's great. Um, I, I I liked in, in what you do in this series so far. I still have to see the remaining parts of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, is you seamlessly intertwine politics into it, right? You do talk about the cost of retirement in Mexico mm-hmm. versus the opportunities that retirees in the United States don't have. And right. especially in your second episode, you deal with that a lot. Talk mm-hmm. about the, the subtle politics of of your series? Well, you know, truthfully, I'm not a political person. I I, I am really uh, I care about, about about people. And my approach to politics is simply a matter of, you know, I first approach politics just as a matter of uh, humanity. Yeah. Um, and so my my first my real touch point, and in fact, it's funny. I was just talking to my dad about this uh, two days ago, because my I I I thought I was Republican growing up, and mm. my dad my dad was too. And when I finally started to like care about, or I guess pay attention, <laughs> I realized, oh, I'm not Republican. And I had this conversation with my dad, 
And it was right before uh, an election. And I told my dad, hey, I decided I'm not Republican. And what I, the reason why I decided that is because I have like, I don't like, I think I'm fairly intelligent, yet I really don't understand all these policies and all this stuff about economics and healthcare. I know what they're talking about, but from the little bit of experience in my life, it seems like all that stuff kind of works itself out. The one thing that I feel super confident that I don't need to go to grad school or be in politics to understand is right and wrong as it relates mm-hmm. to people. And so when it comes to civil rights, I feel like that's something I feel really, it's very easy for me to say that, you know, everyone should have equal rights and equal opportunity. And to that extent, I feel like there's at least one crew that isn't prioritizing that. And so that was, I had that conversation with my dad. And what was really interesting about it, by the way, was a few weeks later, my dad calls me up and he had thought about what we had talked about mm. and he, decided to do the same thing, which is really beautiful. So anyway, you asked about in the show how politics takes place. The fact of the matter is, I don't think about politics. I literally just tried my best to be as honest about my own point of view as possible. Because really what makes this show, the one thing, like like I said earlier, I'm not an expert in anything, but what I am good at is being extremely honest. Mm. Um, and I tried in each episode to go on each adventure in earnest. Yeah, yeah, and and it was it was beautiful. One of the things that jumped out was the footage that your parents had of them when they first came to the United States yeah. that you you put in there. And uh-huh. like this was this was back in the day. Like there was no you know having cameras that you could use on the road. Like that was high tech technology, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, do you think that uh, would you? Do you think you got your start like watching those videos? Did that influence <laughs> you in a significant way? You know what I think watching that footage, I realized that my dad was like insanely talented. Like the cinematography and some of that stuff is incredible. (laughs) And what I realized having watched that footage, but also being a filmmaker who's made stories about his own life and his family, where I get this rare opportunity to see my parents as characters in a story and craft them from a beginning, middle and end. I get this rare detachment from them that most people don't get with their loved ones, where I get to see them for who they are and their flaws and their strengths. And what it, one of the things that's revealed itself, I think, in seeing them is that it's like I realize me, myself, my sister and I are both in entertainment. And what felt like something that was, uh, you know, I wouldn't say rebellious, but you know, a new path, an unexpected path. Actually, the apple actually isn't that far from the tree. My parents are complete, like 100% entertainers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes yes. perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, they're they're cinema gold, right? I mean, they, and by the way, they're actors now. I cast them in this show that I wrote, like that that is coming out in a couple months. Like they're. So in my dad's Facebook status says actor and celebrity guest speaker. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But the, your dad, the chemistry between them on air, I was like, okay, now they oh. he, he got some of that talent directly from them because they had a great chemistry. Oh, yeah, uh, and, yeah, and they're yeah, so yeah, funny. Yeah. They're, they're they're funny so the way funny, they they like self deprecating and they like to poke jabs at each other. It's, it's, yeah. It was just great to watch. I want us to play a <laughs> clip from the uh, from the second episode over parenting in Japan because this is where I really dialed in because I have a two year old and and uh, mm. at the time of you filming this you had a two year old as well. Right. 
Right, she's three now. So uh, let's take a look at this first clip. Did you know how to do all these things? That's awesome. You don't miss the city at all? I don't miss the city at all. Yeah. Do you get lonely being a mom out here without a ton of people around? Who does all the parenting here? Oh, yeah, same. Same, yeah, same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know that she's in charge? Now, I, I didn't get a chance to tell them specifically what part I wanted to see out of this. But if I did, I would have told them to include the scene on the bridge where you ran from the bee. <laughs> that was yeah. the fun, bro, that was the funniest part because you reacted like my kids when they're on the trampoline and a bee comes within 30 feet of them. They pile on top of each other like, I, I don't know, it, it's just the most hilarious thing. But but. It's hilarious and and it's so touching that you kind of expose that no matter where we are on this planet, in a lot of ways, we're all living the same type of lives. We all have some of those same transitions where we wanna move from the city. And then we get about 40 years old, we really start considering moving out to the country. Talk about that a little bit. Yes, oh man, well you know what you're talking about is a huge trend in this country to begin with before the pandemic, yeah. which is people moving from primary cities to secondary cities. But I also think there's an existential thing that happens at people who become parents and you if you live in cities you've spent your whole life essentially everything has been about achievement which mm. is a very selfish thing and it's and it's a very external thing right you want to be in the mix you want to go out you're trying to meet people you're having fun you're trying to make as much money as possible and do well in the workplace then you have a family and everything kind of gets inverted and all that stuff kind of becomes not just insignificant but i would say trivial and you realize, I don't know, at least for me, my value system has completely flipped on its head where now I want just a smaller life. I want less overhead. <laughs> I want to work less. I want to just spend more time being with my family and doing nothing. <laughs> and 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 I'm, you know, it's like I'm like, oh well, also I'm tired. Like I don't want to work anymore, but also I want I only really care about is being around with my family. And so, yeah, that seeking out simplicity thing is not just a national trend, but it's something that I think happens at this stage of life. And by the way, my wife and I were getting on the road in November, packing up the car, driving to the East Coast. We're gonna test drive a few cities over the course of three or four months nice. and potentially move there next year. We're looking at Nashville, we're looking at Chapel Hill. I mean, I don't know where we end up, Charleston. I think it's probably gonna be Nashville is my guess. Uh, you guys are talking uh, about a major change there. <laughs> things are happening, dude, we're that going is, for it. That's beautiful. For it. I know in my, uh, when I turned 30, my goal was to have a nice condo downtown. Um, and as soon as I turned 40, and I think it was a combination of turning 40, yeah. having kids, as well as the uh -huh. pandemic. Now we are literally looking at acres of land that are, you know, not a whole bunch of acres, but just yeah. just a farmhouse out somewhere secluded. Yes. As long as they have Wi-Fi, 
I'm good. Yes, <laughs> yes. And hasn't the pandemic just brought all of that? It's it's accelerated the need for all of us. Well, first of all, I think it's accelerated the realization for all of us that we don't have to put up with this. Yeah. <laughs> and we exactly. can we can live anywhere, but also I think it's to help us to all prioritize. Oh, like this is actually how we should be living, like chilling with a smaller crew and spending, you know, making work fit our lives instead of lives fit our work. I mean, it's a good Yeah. It's a good deal. I'd like to keep doing it. I always feel bad when I speak when people ask me how I'm doing in the pandemic because I know how unbelievably crazy things are. 200,000 yeah. people have died. Um, a lot of people are unemployed. Yes, um, but inside the house, you're loving it. Inside the house, I could not have imagined something that would have been better for me and my wife. I, I joke about this all the time, but it's true. It took my wife 10 years in a pandemic, my wife and I 10 years in a pandemic to learn how to be married successfully. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> on I the love second, that, but you know what? I think that's actually one of the great beauties. I, I think it's it speaks to the idea, by the way, that during our deepest, darkest moments, sometimes we find the most beautiful, yeah. uh, uh, the the most beautiful things. And and I, I think I've had that exact same experience as you, you and your wife had. Awesome. Let's uh, let's take a look at the second clip because there's a lot more in episode two that I want to uh, joke with you about. Okay. Right. Japan built a strong education system after World War II. Ninety-nine percent of their elementary schools are public. <laughs> At first glance, this classroom of first graders seem like the ones we have in the U.S. That was about to change. What is this? No, no, no. The, the, the funniest, you, you and your wife's expressions while in Japan um, really showed a stark contrast of the anxiety that we have in it here in America, uh, especially when the I believe he was six year old, six years old, the little mm -hmm. boy was sent on an errand by himself, and I had anxiety all in my stomach. As Isn't he was, that wild? And then oh, I saw what? your face and you and your wife's face, and I'm like, oh, they <laughs> understand. <laughs> Talk about that. oh, this is a crazy. I mean, so it's this crazy tradition that they have, where you know, basically what they do is they start off with a, extreme attachment. Literally holding the kid close to them and being really close to them through through the first six years of their lives, and then at the age of six, they have this ritual where, or it's a tradition where, it's called the first errand, and literally the kid puts on, I guess it's got like a credit card in there, and then like one of those one-way cell phones, and he goes by himself to buy groceries, and we tailed this kid like stalkers, and. It was wild because nobody, like it wasn't weird to anyone. And he was just walk, he was crossing streets, walking through this city, <laughs> going to the grocery store, getting what he needed. He was incredibly confident, lots of poise, and uh, checked out, came back. I mean, it was wild. And it brought up a couple questions. One, that we don't really, you know, we would never trust our kids to do something like that. But also, I don't know that it's safe enough as my daughter, by the way, walks by. I don't know if you can hear her. You know what's um, funny? I didn't know if that was your kid or mine, so I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is another, this is one of the beauties of pandemic conversations. Exactly. Uh, my kids come into everything so far. Um, but yeah, that's a, that was, that's a wild tradition, right? Also, I don't know that it's safe enough. Uh, that it really says a lot about the safety thing, and and I mean I wouldn't let we wouldn't let our kids travel. I I could not imagine. I don't want to be that dad, but 
my my kids really won't go to the mailbox. But I mean, they're like they're two, five, and 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 eight or somewhere around there. I might have gotten that wrong, but um, they really won't go out into the street by themselves. Like I have to urge them to go out in the streets, and I, I you know, I try to encourage them to be adventurous. But uh-huh. there's just a level of 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 um, distrust and anxiety, particularly here in the United States, that I feel like I don't know. Did they program it out of? Their society there. I mean, there are some downsides, and there's a lot that people should watch in that episode because it was not all yeah. rosy. But in particular, the safety for children seemed to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, we didn't get too much in the details in the episode, but the fact of the matter is, Japan is an extremely homogenous country mm. where there's pretty much a fear for authority. Some would say respect, others say fear. But you know, they don't lock up their bikes, and the kids can walk around, and you know, crime is punished. Pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Here, conversely, we live in a time right now where more information than ever is available, and as a result, we just don't let our kids travel that far. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the average distance that a kid travels now is something like a tenth of what it was 20 to 30 years ago. And if you ask most parents whether or not today is more dangerous than back then. Pretty much every parent would say it is, but in fact, it's not less dangerous. We just know more things and we're more scared. Yeah, um, but the name of the show is Ravi Patel's Pursuit of Happiness. It is on HBO Max. We, I wish we had more time because I think it was a really great thing that you did in that show about life and cycles of life. And whether you know it or not, you had some really fascinating political commentary in there. And I suggest everyone checks it out. Ravi, thank you so much for your time. No, thanks for having me, man. It's a fun conversation. Pleasure was mine. All right, take care. Take care, my friend. See you, man.